0: Gonna see how long I could just go on the stream without saying anything and just see what you guys all did. But Rob just just killed that immediately. Just <laughs> um, he's just so giddy. He's just so happy to be here. I'm just doing my job, buddy. <laughs> and damn it, Chris, how long has it been? since How long have you been avoiding us now? About what four months?
1: Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> got along with it. Got away with it for a while. Yeah. What, what's going on? You don't like us anymore? No. Just 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 busy with. With non-pool things, mate. But now it's the new year, and like the tools started again. I've started practicing again, so I'll start talking to you for a little bit until I get bored again.
0: Yeah, I was—I I was, I was thinking it was like a, it was like Ray or something like that. You didn't like Ray, so you just decide, well, fine. If Ray's going to be on the show, I'm leaving. This is—I <laughs> don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> All right. Well, we got Ray and we got demetrius here too. So, Ray, how's it going?
2: Fantastic. How are you? Actually, just recovering from some
0: whatever bug going around but
3: getting a lot better so things are good
0: demetrius and i'm
3: just happy to be here doing great
0: yeah did you uh did you come back with the turning stone flu or anything
3: no no i uh i dodged all that nothing but roses and sunshine well perfect
0: well let's get jumped right into the podcast uh last week we could have talked about turning stone but we didn't uh and we part of it is because we wanted to have you on demetrius because uh you know you were there so uh I guess you've been to how many turning stones have you played in now? You think?
3: Yeah, you know, maybe five or six. Um, which, yeah, yeah, I've been. I it's a good tournament. I think. Unfortunately, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get out there in August because uh, apparently it filled up like within a day or two of you know when the last one. I mean, it's already full for August. But uh, I know that they're doing. Uh, maybe I'll see Raymond down in Florida because I know they're doing some new Florida tour with uh, ten ball in one pocket, and there's a big season finale. 10 ball down in Florida that weekend. So if I can't get into turning stone, I'll probably just go to the Florida event and uh, it's, it sounds fine. But yeah, it's, it's a bummer. That's the old, it's the hardest problem with turning stone is its popularity. It's uh, it's hard to get in.
0: Yeah. Well, I watched
3: you it, play a little bit. I know. Demetrius. Yeah. Uh, thanks Rob. I, um, you know, I've kind of been on a bad run um, just in terms of variance um, like I've played Fed, I ran into Fedder on the winter side which is the second turn stone and I mean that happened last January too which he's really tough um cool. and um you know I, I was I, that match is on YouTube Feder put it on his channel um raced a nine I mean I I was real tight he's a great player he came out strong I came out weak you know I, I get down five nothing and then I kind of go into that not give up stroke but like kind of all the pressure's over and so then I kind of rally back and Right. from five zero down, I kind of made it into a set. I, I actually played pretty well from there and you got did. it to where it was like seven, four or six, four. And then I ran it. Somehow he got up like seven, five and I ran a rack or two and got it to seven, six. And then, uh, I broke in four balls and just had this three, nine combo that it was torn, whether I should go for it or play safe. And <laughs> anyway, long story short, I missed the three, nine. He runs out the last two racks, beats me nine, six. Uh, I played a good set. It was a fun match, but it was, it was too little, too late. And, uh, And then the problem is on the B side, I got in the money. I won my next match to get in the money, which was not actually that easy. But then, uh, first round in the money, I had to play my road partner, Jesse Engel. And that's the second time, uh, last tournament, last August, we got turning stone. (laughs) Well, we were both, we were both in 25th place and we played each other last tournament as well. Uh, this tournament, same story. We're in 25th place on the B side, playing each other first round. And I just bowed out and let him go on. And, uh, uh, and then he lost a Billy Thorpe nine eight, and kind of a heartbreaker. So, a heartbreaker. pretty, pretty, pretty poor tournament. I, so it's the second tournament in a row where I feel like I just didn't really get a lot of play because, and not to say I can't take a set off better now and then, but really it's it's as close as you can come to drawing a. You're kicked out of the tournament card, and uh, so it's fine. It's I mean, really, it's fine. It's just it's tough, you know. I go out there and I watch other people play sets against people where they get to play guys that make mistakes, and they get two sets. Uh, they have to get B two sets. Me, I keep running into Jesse and Federer, and it just feels like I get one set uh, or zero. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So that, so my personal tournament was kind of lackluster. Um, I mean, I was – I think the the hard part for me, I, I started off pretty rough um, trying to get uh, my table – the table conditions, it was so new and slidey. and I mean, every time I go play on brand-new cloth, it takes me a set. It takes me – it took me a little too long to adjust the equipment. You'd think I'd figure it out by now, but – but anyway, um, and then but other than that, one thing I will say is that because I've played the event enough times, I've gotten much more comfortable. So, like, the first time or two I was out there was like, ooh, I'm playing in a pro tournament, you know, and I was nervous and I'm tight and stuff. But it's it's almost like um, people sometimes ask, like, how do I play in big events like I play in my home practice room? And I, what occurred to me is, is that – I've played this event enough times to where it almost feels like it's my practice room, and I think that that's there's no shortcut. So I'd say to anybody in the crowd that's got kind of feeling that way, like, hey, I want to play my best pool when I'm out in Vegas for my national tournaments or in the state tournaments I play. I think you just got to play those things enough to where it just starts to feel like that's your home room. And right. um, anyway, that's my one tip for the for the crowd. Thoughts on I think, that?
2: I think well, that's what I was going to say too. With just even you can apply that to your mindset when you draw. Uh, Jesse or Federer in these events, you're like, oh, crap, I got to play Federer. You can apply the same mindset just to, to that matchup and say it's really just a matter of sample size. It's only significant now because I don't have enough sample sizes against him. And That might be that might lead to like some just pressure, you know, that you put on yourself, really. You know what I mean? To kind of like have to whereas Federer is just like this isn't the next match that I'm playing in the next group of 100 matches you know what i mean and so he just like you know goes after it and doesn't really try and distinguish it so he can be relaxed because of just volume um and that's kind of the advantage that they have against people like us the regional rounders or the people that are trying to break in and play more regularly is that it's just another match for them and so they can kind of be more relaxed and they're a lot of times people do play tight on them, you know what I mean? And then it's oh, yeah. not it, it's not until you get a guy like Jason or somebody who's has volume, you know, matches against him where you know, they'll fire straight away and then it's just a matter of how the match plays out without that other variable. Um,
4: well, you've heard other people talk about being tournament tough. You know, I've heard that expression over yeah. the years. And that's absolutely true. I mean, these guys, these guys go to tournaments every weekend. They're playing top players around the world all the time where Demetrius, you're teaching the game and you go to these tournaments three, four times a year. That's it. So you're laying it out there without being tournament tough. actually. Um, Yeah. And and the thing
3: about it is, is that it's, You know, sometimes I I think it's important is like sometimes people talk about like, well, mental game or strategies to to handle pressure. And all that's good. All that's fine. Right. There's a lot of things. Your physical game can take pressure off your mental game. Uh, When you have a real solid physical game, it's it's harder for it to break down. Uh, There's definitely things you can do to prepare mentally, to to prepare for difficult situations and have a plan. But in the end, I think it's absolutely true that some of it is just experience and volume, like uh, like Raymond saying. And so it would be like somebody saying, hey. I want to prepare mentally, you know, like how do I prepare to go to the gym and put up a certain amount on the bench press? It's like, well, right. there's no way you're going to mentally prepare to do that. You just have to go do it. And, and yeah. so some of this is just repetition. So if, if there's one good takeaway if from keeping on drawing guys like Federer, again, and again, it's that, I mean, to be fair to me, it's like, I was tight out of the gate, but I'll tell you this. Um, I think it was, a. Yeah. I think that it's, Normal. I think it's normal. Even even top players get tight on the first couple sure. racks when they know they're up oh, against yeah. it. But I I cal- like I, I was much calmer and I was able to just kind of like I it didn't it wasn't the traumatic experience it might have been for me ten years ago. You know what
2: sure. I mean? Right. So yeah, for sure. No, and then oh, once I, you get to that I, 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 threshold and you kind of just play, you know, then you then you're in that sweet spot, right? And you, then you look good to me pressure. playing. Yeah.
4: I mean, I the last of couple of years, I I thought okay, now you know he's he's got this a little bit here. Think he's got a shot
3: at this? Yeah, I played a pretty good set, but uh, anyway, let's. What matters is not. I mean, my tournament. I, you know, whatever. uh, uh, But um, are you going? Then uh, the well, yeah, I'm going to Derby. I leave on Thursday, and I'm playing all the events. That'll be a lot of fun. So I'm not going to draw Jesse. I figured out the odds of me drawing Jesse three times in a row on all three events. Plus your rebuy.
2: Plus your rebuy draw.
3: yeah, that's what I'm saying. Three times in a row, just bam, 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 bam. But I'm like, I don't think that's happening. So uh, I'll probably get another shot. And I and I can't, I'll similarly, it's unlikely I'll draw better nine times either. So okay. Uh, but the but the the story of the tournament. Let's cut right to the chase, right? I mean, uh, Sky was playing a great tournament and uh, went undefeated to win the hot seat. Um, what up? I'll. What do you think, Chris, Raven, Rob? What do you guys think? Like, what does Sky do that? Uh, That makes him shine in that format. I have some ideas, but what are your thoughts?
4: I think that he is so involved in the game that nothing else interferes in his mind other than exactly what he's doing to perform and execute. He has no other distractions around because he is having fun. You Mm. can tell no matter how high the stress, how high the pressure, he's having a good time doing what he's doing. He loves what he's doing. And that comes out in his play. It was remarkable his play. Yeah. His his pocketing ability I, is just is through the roof. It's as good as Jason's. I mean, it's through the roof. It was just so fun think, to watch that. I
2: think Skyler's. I think Skyler's superpower is his ability to be relaxed. You know, yeah. he really, and we see it in the Moscone Cup. We see it in big events. He he kind of doesn't put added pressure on himself. He doesn't take. I think he doesn't take himself too seriously, but he takes the game oh, yeah. seriously. And so he's, I like, I, I kind of liken it to like, you know, when you would see a make a mistake, he kind of laugh and scratch his head and like, oh, well, I, you know, I made a donkey mistake or I hooked myself or did something silly, but then he lets it go. He doesn't let those things compound and he's kind of really present. And, you know, to Rob's point, he's very uh, single focused, you know, he's, he's not doing multiple things is like pulls his thing, you know? And that assuredness, I think Skyler plays within his identity as close to top professionals that are playing at the very top of their game in pool. Like when you see Skyler play and he's playing well, he's playing him, he's expressing who he is on the table. And I think that's really the key breakthrough. And you play your best pool is that you're using pool, pool becomes a vessel for you to express who you are. And I think Skyler expresses who he is um, very eloquently when it comes to pool and his style of play. It's who he is. And I don't have to think like, oh, he's kind of, you know, he's he's playing a, a, this way or playing that. He's he's always going to play his way. And I think um, I think that's awesome. And he's maturing. And we're seeing him and it's leading to, I think, really a, a, a growing time for him, even as good as he's been the last few years. He's Did you fine. get a
4: chance to watch any of uh, the Turning Stone, Chris? Probably not there, or you're I saw
1: I saw some highlights and stuff. So okay. um, I saw, saw bits of the final, but yeah, um, I try and tune into it whenever it's on um, a couple of times. How about the
4: Moscone? Did you watch some of that? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I watched. Yeah, I watched all of that. I watch all of all of the events as long as they're. If I'm okay. not playing in them, um, I'll usually be be watching them. Um, but on Sky, I mean, he probably. He doesn't do as well as what he should, as good as he is in the big events. <laughs> I just don't think he does because he, he's way better than what his results show. Um, he has a great pocket of the ball. Like you said, Rob, he's right up a great blocker of the ball. Like oh, said, right, right of the ball. Um, but in, those, in the matchroom events, I don't think he's done anywhere near as well as what he should have last year. Um,
3: and I spot. wanted to ask, Chris, can you elaborate? Because I'll say uh, just real quick, I'm going to interject. I thought my – I think, Sky, I think everything you say, I think he's – an amazing striker. He moves really well. He's got a tremendous positive energy. Uh, and then finally, I, I think his break for nine ball, there's certain breaks that he just really, really excels at. Mm-hmm. It's not a surprise to me that he finished third in the international open in eighteen uh, uh, and that he won the Derby city the, the following January with that nine of the spot back when they could break uh, a little bit different. They weren't such a tight break box. So that nine ball rack, uh, like Tyler Steyer, breaks really well in 10 ball. And I think his 10 ball game, he outperforms his normal, you know, uh, where I think yeah. Skyler does really well in nine ball. Uh, that's why, like when you look at Nayuki Oi, Nayuki Oi, I think also has a very positive energy and a clean strike, but he just isn't able to generate the opportunities on the break. Whereas Sky, and you know, Sky outbreaks Mika, he outbreaks uh, even Fedor. He was outbreaking Fedor. So it's like guys like that, he's going to really perform well in this. So then I have a question, the same question you already started to address. Why has he not done better on the big matchroom stage? If he does well in the Moscone Cup or the Turning Stone, why does he not do better in the big matchroom events? They're just so. I mean, this is this
2: is
1: those events, I would say. Yeah, I
2: I think we have to take a step back too and, and realize like like matchroom now is kind of coming to a point where their events are the gold standard, really, for singles nine ball events. And for any one player to be in a position to walk into a season of dominating, playing the apex of their game and coinciding that with it being like the Olympics or like the apex events that they can compete in, that, that is a process that takes a lot of time. So like watching Francisco this past year dominate is so special, right, because he was seven, eight, nine years in the, in, in, on the back end of that learning and not doing anything really, you know, but mentoring himself under guys like David, getting the experience, losing, going deeper, winning certain matches. Like you're, you're constantly in this iterative process where you're proving to yourself that you can take the next step forward. So I think Skyler's in that process now where he maybe is on the tail end of it. And we have so much expectation for him because we know how much ability and talent he has. But to be honest, Shane's not really done all what he could have done for his talent and ability until, you know, just this past year, he's only just won the world nine ball. And we've been holding that over his head for like seven, eight years. You know, like when's he finally going to snap that off? You know, Oh, he finally, he finally got it. You know what I mean? So and I think the for, gist for, of your for argument for the longest time, for the longest time it was, Oh, he can't win overseas and he finally won the masters two years, two in, years. in a row. Wow. But I think it's just a culminative process that eventually those two things align is what,
3: you know, is what yeah, I'm and I yeah. Part So part of what you're saying is just, you know, the competition is so intense at that high level that it's not enough to be playing great. You kind of have to hit a peak thing. But, yeah. but there's a difference between like dominating like FSR versus just being like representing yourself. Like take a guy like Alex yeah. Kazakis. Alex Kazakis and Sky, I mean... They play so close, but yet Alex is like he won a World Pool Masters. He's and he's and he's. And here's the thing: you don't have to win a major. I'm not even saying Sky should be popping Alex, off majors. Alex but like he's, on, but he's always getting doggy. in the quarterfinals. He's getting in the finals. Yeah. He's getting into the final eight. He's getting in the final sixteen. He's always in the mix, and Sky yeah, but he, but is rarely went, in the mix. Yep. But
2: he went through a lot of events where he flat dogged it and didn't get there. Didn't cross the line in spots that he was way supposed to, like the World Me finals against Filler. He's got to make one position shot that it's like a routine position shot. They just get position on the ball and you're out. You win the set, and and it ends up going double hill. And you know he ends up t- playing another bad safety and leaves Josh a long shot. And then Josh buries a shot and wins. So like he's had those moments where he's fallen short over and over and over again. Had enough heartbreak that he's kind of gotten through. I think a threshold of pain really to be able to get to the point now where he's like, okay. I don't want to experience that. So I'm going to at least be in the mix, you know, to like make my runs and go deep and win some events. But he's got, he had to take his licks to get there. You know, he kind of earned that sky still young. He's a young kid. He's, you know, we, we view him as a veteran. He's been around, but he's a young kid. He's not even, he's what, mid twenties or whatever, like late, you know late twenties. I mean, uh, developed- yeah,
0: I think he's 28. I think he's two years younger than me.
2: Efren didn't get here till he was 34.
0: So, so you think he's
3: just a couple, you know, a year or two away from breaking out and starting to represent himself? What do you think, Chris, and uh, uh, the others? Yeah,
1: could be, could be. Yeah, there's just so many good players, though. Yeah, there's uh, so many like, good players. It's a hard, events, just hard, just hard. It's... Too many, too many top performers. So you need yeah. a huge slice of luck to win those events. I think that's why you see people go through patches when things are just going well for them. They can win two or three, or four or five events or something. Uh, and yeah. then they go away for a year and then they'll come back and they'll snap off another couple. But um, yeah. his time will come, I'm, I'm sure of it. Con-
4: Confidence is is a thing that varies all the sure. time. I mean, we're yes. just human beings, we're just people. We're not like little robots or anything out there playing pool. I don't and, know. Fado might be. No, yeah, you know, I mean, there's a possibility that there's a few players out there now that <laughs> was, you could call them robots. Yeah, you could.
2: You could. Filler, yeah, I too. Mean,
4: I mean, he's a bit of a robot. but Well, even
2: Filler, you know, he had a couple of years where he, it just looked like he was going to win everything. And then, you know, the last couple years, he hasn't, like, dominated. You know what I mean? Like, he hasn't, like, won every event he goes in. He gets beat a bunch, you know, now. But I think he's still confident who he is. But, you know, I think, like, to your point, it's not a static thing. It's not like somebody's, like, hyper-confident. And that, that sits there forever. Because if you rely on confidence from something you did 20 years ago, 15 years ago starts to wane, you know, you gotta, you gotta really work on it and build it. It's a muscle. It's, uh, it's a, so like even guys like Jason, like his podcast interview, you know, with Matchroom whatever he revealed, he, you know, health year last year, you know, guys go through it. It's a difficult thing to go through with so little uh, yield, but you're chasing this idea that, you know, you want to grow and, improve yourself and that validation means everything you know i think a lot of guys doing what shane did where he got to the finals of the world nine ball twice in a row and loses that's broken lesser players to be honest you know (laughs) it really has i know guys have gotten to the like you know here in florida donnie's gotten to the the got to the finals of the u.s open or got to the semifinals u.s open winterside king of the hill match goes double hill with ralph breaks and scratches, loses, goes plays Mika, goes double hill, breaks and scratches and loses and he hasn't been back. You know, that's that's rough to deal with mentally. Oh, murder. And then to expect these guys to go out there and like volunteer their effort and their heart, you know, for for what? To prove it to themselves really, because the whole world wants to trash talk you on the on online. It's a it's a hard thing to deal with. So when a guy like Jason, who we view on the outside as a super confident bravado guy, you would just you would never assume that he has his own demons to fight and things to struggle with, like he was open and vulnerable about it. Alex Pagline, too is vulnerable and open about stuff. Like it's a hard thing to do. So to align all the things as harder to just on paper, it's hard to win one of these tournaments. Just one you know what I mean? Sure. And if that everybody wants to win at the same time, and you have a you know 20 other guys or 800 Fargo trying to, you know, take advantage of a missed positional shot to kill you and end your tournament. Like, and you're not getting paid for it. And everybody else is talking shit to you. Like, man, what a, what a, what a rough deal that is, you know, to have to fade and go out there and snap one off for you. Really? You're doing it for yourself. So it's,
3: yeah, well, I didn't I didn't say winning a major was easier than getting to the finals. I, I agree that it takes a number of shots and a certain amount of exposure before somebody breaks through. Sky's been around for a while. He's been playing well enough to make a final three, and it's been four and a half years since the International Open where he took a top three, and he did win the 2019 Derby. That was three years ago. So over the last three years, I don't feel that he's represented himself in the biggest. I feel that he's played phenomenal pool, great sets, and he's won yeah. sets off everybody in the world, and he's gotten – you know, great results on the national level and Derby and things, but I I don't think he's quite represented himself in the big spots. And then the question is, does he does he have that year and build that confidence and have that desire and 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 come through in those spots and start showing up a little bit more or have a year or two where he starts doing that? And I think it could be, it could, it might not be. It's hard; not everybody can do it. Time will tell. That's that's my opinion. Is only time will tell. He certainly has the game to do it. Only time will tell what actually happens. But.
0: I I think uh, for Sky Woodward it's uh, it's less about, and I'm completely speculating here. It's it's less about trying to find a a, a tournament to break through and just falling in love with the game again. Uh, I mean, when you look at him when he was 22, 23, and of course he had a child. So of course you know life changes yeah. when you when when you get a family and you know you get a you get a a fiance that. Um, you know, life just changes. and but, but when you look back when he was 22, 23, 24, he was playing a, an event every single week. And he was basically Fedor Gorsting uh, five five years ago. He was in he was an event every week. It might be a small regional event in the U.S., but, you know, you'd see him at the Music City Open or at the Iron, or at the, the Midwest Open or you know, all of these different regional events that you see throughout the country. You saw him play these events. And now, basically, what you see him playing is the matchroom events, he doesn't play any predator events except for, you know, maybe the, the alpha Las Vegas open because of the world 10 ball, but you don't see him playing any predator events. You don't see him playing in any, uh, any of the regional events that he used to play anymore. And if, you, if you're only playing once a month, I mean, how, how, I, I how feel, so can you be? I, when, I feel, feel a little
3: differently. Him? I, when I saw him, I played him in 2017, or uh, Jesse played him too. And anyway, we were, yeah, we both played him in 2017 and, and we were watching him, and five, five, six years ago, you're right. He was playing all the events, but he was playing the regional events, the national events, and he looked a little burned out. So, I mean, he was he was you know drinking beers when he was playing. He was partying a little bit. Yeah, he had a, he had a new kid, but or, you know, I think at that time, but maybe maybe not yet. But it was uh, around no, there. Oh, yeah. no. Okay. In any case, he didn't look like he was committed, and I feel like at that point, like he had done well you know, he was doing well nationally, but he just felt like he was so far from the top players and internationally. It just felt like he was kind of, kind of questioning that now I actually like what he's doing, which is he's kind of like, you know, I'm not going to chase around bar table tournaments and be satisfied being a top bar table player or a top national player. I want to get on the big stage. I I want to prove that I can play with anybody. And I, you know, he's, I think he's shown that his physical game can get there with anybody. And I and I actually like I'd rather I think he has a better chance of breaking through at a high level, playing one tournament a month that's international, uh, and just keep on getting in the ring against the best of the best of the best than he would just, you know, running around the bar table scene and showing up for the US Open once a year. I just don't think that so I'm actually excited to see the road he's taking. I think that's his best chance of well, you know.
0: I'm I'm, I'm pushing back on you because if, if he's training like Albin or Niels or Ralph or something like that, sure. But what, what I hear from Sky from interviews or, you know, just talking to him at these events, you know, even when he played the even when he went into that matchup last year against um, at Shane, you know, I did a little interview with him and I don't know if he's he's telling the truth or not. But I mean, he says this at basically every single event, you know, he goes into every single event saying he just hasn't been playing. You know, and if you're training and you're treating it as a profession, you know you know that Albin right now is probably on a pool table playing. You know mm-hmm. that Joshua Filler is probably and, – and those are the – you know, Albin is the type of player who, who does the same thing. He only plays these events. Uh, these are the ones he gets up for. He doesn't play the Euro Tours. He doesn't play the Predator events. He plays the matchroom events, and basically that's it. You know, a few others here and there. Um, he doesn't even play like uh, – he doesn't even play like Derby City. I mean, he's like the alpha when it comes to only playing the events that matter, right? But he's also – but you know – you know dang well that he's he's on the table training right now. Like, if, if I offered you even money right now, then Albin is either practicing right now or not practicing. What are you going to take?
3: Yeah, for, I, for sure. So, I, I mean, there's, cause cause there's I no Darcy doubt that this guy is not. <laughs> well, he's – yeah, so I mean, he's – yeah. You can't, you can't, you know, playing, showing up alone doesn't work. If you don't have, like you said, if you don't have that desire, and then the action to match the desire, but, but I, I just think that he's got to play the biggest events to do well in the biggest events. Now, for for people that uh, we've been talking about, Sky, we haven't even talked about what happened at Turning Stone, so I just want to at least let everybody know because not everybody knows what just happened. So in Turning Sky Woodward won, wins the hot seat. He beats Jason Sean, I think he was down five zero, comes back and ends up winning the set to, to nine, and so he wins the hot seat. Jason Shaw comes through the B-side, and, and now it's a one-set finals race to 13. And it was a really swingy finals because they were both running racks from their break, and it's a nine balls of momentum game sometimes, and Sky gets up 3-0. And from 3-0 ahead, going to 13, Jason Shaw gets up 12-6. to So Jason wins 12 out of the next 15 games to go up 12-6. to And at 12-6, to he gets a shot to run out makes a tough cut on the six ball and Jason hooks himself so where he can't hit the seven ball, makes a good hit, sells out a shot. So Sky gets to the table. He's down 12, six going to 13. He needs to win seven games in a row and Sky shoots and, you know, runs out those three balls or whatever, 12, seven. And at 12, seven, he breaks and runs out five racks in a row to go 12, 12. And all of a sudden, I mean, it was amazing to watch. And then at 12, 12, just let's talk about what happened. He breaks and he he makes three balls and he's got a shot to run out. He shoots the first shot and the cue ball gets, uh, the cue ball gets on treetopped over the nine ball. So he's bridged from frozen, almost frozen over the nine ball. And the, the, the interesting part, we could talk about this or not, but the cue ball didn't look like it was going to stop over the nine, but they'd put a new spot on the table and the cue ball hit the spot and then rolled over the nine ball just a little. And he ended up with a tough, Next shot, he was able to put that one down, but because he was treetop, he was not able to play position. He was left with a very long, difficult back cut in the six with awkward position, and he rattled it out, leaving Jason Shaw like an easy, you know, not an easy, but but a four ball run, and Jason yeah, ran it out. No. So, Pretty easy. so, so twelve, twelve six down. He gets a shot, runs out, breaks and runs five, and he almost broke and ran the whole set out from there. Uh, came down to a came down to a kind of a heartbreaker on the fi- on the final rack. And I, before we talk about what happened or whatever, Nate, I just wanted to mention that is three amazing escapes for me in the last couple of years, betting pool. The first one was that last pocket eight ball where we bet on, which we don't need to recap that on the podcast. But that was one of the most amazing escapes I've ever made on a bet. But the last one I bet on Tony Chohan getting to 22, and that was the one where he was up 21-19, and then Shane wins four in a row, and then Shane has him down 7-1, to one, and he makes that one that was on the highlight reel, that run out. That one got me paid, that run out from there. And now I was betting on Jason Shaw over Sky, and I thought I had the whole thing set, and I was just sick. I mean, I'm rooting for Sky but I'm sick to my stomach at the same time. And so I'm like, ah, so I've had, I've been very fortunate. <laughs> so, so if you're listening, whoever bet against me on that match online, sorry about that. <laughs> anyway. So what are your thoughts on the finals guys? That was amazing to watch. What do you think?
4: Well, I, I'll tell you what, from my perspective, uh, I don't get too excited watching pool. Normally I just, I'm not involved in it. I'm just watching and enjoying what I'm seeing, but my heart was pounding. <laughs> I just, it was, I mean, I was, my blood pressure went up. And my heart was pounding. And, of course, I'm I'm, I'm really I, – I just root for the guy that plays the best most of the time, not one particular – and I don't bet on games. So I don't have that thing kind of hanging on, like, I really want this guy to win because I'm going to win a bunch of money. And uh, I was – honestly, at 12 to 6, I wasn't sure Jason was going to win that. I really yeah.
3: wasn't. No, I know. I know it I'm felt thinking, that way.
4: Guys, I don't think Jason was – uh, He's listening. still here. He's not leaving. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I was so impressed. I, I really after it was over, and that last rack was just my I, my mind blew up after that last rack. Seriously, it did. The couple little things that happened there, and uh, I I never had so much fun watching a pool match as I did that finals the turning stone. It was great.
3: So I'll jump in. Yeah. I've got a weird thought. So I think that the funny part is, like, there's a question to ask. Is like, what should your mindset be when you're down twelve six or twelve seven or whatever? And I feel like if you were like, I'm going to come back and win from here, that's a pretty hard story to tell yourself because then you could be like, well, you understand the mathematical. Like, the probability is low. It's hard to get enthusiastic about the goal of coming back and winning. But I think that watching Skyler, what it felt like Skyler's goal was at that point was, I'm not going to let you outplay me. I'm not going to let your play or your score lead make me give it away to you or make your job easy. I'm going to be obnoxious. It's almost like that. If you guys play chess is, you know, those chess players where you should resign by now, but you're just going to keep playing, even though you're down like a, a rook and a bishop in the end game. And you're just going to play it out and hope that it's like, yeah, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to, I'm going to make you earn it. I'm going to just, I'm going to try to complicate the position and duck my King in between pawns so that you have to dodge stalemate threats and try to run you down on the clock. And it's like, it's just annoying. And I feel like when you're in that spot, it's like, look, you're going to beat me, but I'm going to be annoying to you. I'm not just going to give it to you. I'm not going to go quietly into the night. And I feel like that's a really good mindset where I feel like when Sky was running those racks, I feel like he was just kind of being like, I'm just going to like, I'm going to I'm gonna do to you what I wouldn't want somebody to do to me if I was in your spot, which is make you earn it. And then the funny part, though, is, is that as it got to 12-12, I feel like that mindset's good to make a comeback. But at some point, it has to shift to where you're like, ready to take the win. And so you could sit there and say, it was just, you know, statistics in action, which is sometimes you run out, sometimes you don't. That was just the time you don't get out. You could talk about it being a choke. You could talk about it being a bad roll to get over the nine. But I really feel like he was just in a, I'm going to kind of pasture you kind of a mindset. And I feel like once he started getting near the hill, you've kind of got to find a different mindset where you're actually ready to take the set now. Easier to say. I'm not saying I could do it. I would have lost 12 6. Any any thoughts?
0: Chris, what do you think? (laughs) I would have lost a 12 1. Yeah. (laughs) Chris,
4: what do you think?
1: Isn't it? Sometimes if you're down in a match towards the end, I mean, sometimes you just feel up for it. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just know it's going to happen. Sometimes you know it's not going to happen. It's just one of those things. Um, Someone told me ages ago, a professional snooker player told me years and years ago, the best thing to do is just make sure you. If you're up for it and you're 12-6 down or something, just make sure you're getting back to the table no matter what you do. You know, just make sure you're getting back to the table and just annoy the hell out of whoever you're playing. Like you just said, Demetrius, just annoy them until you've got nothing left. (laughs) But sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't.
2: Yeah, I think think you're just looking for an opportunity, really. You know, if it's 12-6 down, you know, He's got control. I I just wanna get another chance. You know, if I can get another chance I can I can do what I can with it. You know, you can't really sweat too much of the uh outcome stuff. You just gotta really take whatever you get and play the best shot you can from that position to to stay fighting. You definitely don't wanna quit. You don't wanna just kinda like lay it up. So you wanna make it as hard as you can on your opponent. But really it's just what can I do with this next inning? You know, if Sky Sky was to wrestle that five pack on there. So you have he did it also earlier on the winter side final four, where he was down five one, and he turned the set around and won nine uh, six from there. So he beat him, you know, eight to one from there. So he has evidence just two rounds prior that he can do the exact same thing. So he's he he really should be thinking about that, like, hey, you know. I've got the confidence that I can win this match from here because I just did it. This exact same scenario happened earlier in the set. I was down a good number and I won eight to one from there here. I got to win six zero. So that's within the wheelhouse of eight to one. So if I just get an opportunity, I'm going to play the best pool I can and and see where they fall. And so he got, you know, he got to where he had that long shot on the six. I think, you know, the guys, and I think on that opening two ball, he had, a couple of choices my initial instinct was for some reason to draw back and not go forward and kind of play it to where i can shoot it in in the corner it's kind of a comfortable angle too where you can draw your cue ball back two cushions and if it happens to bobble and go to the middle of the cushion you have covered behind the four or uh, behind the four and the four still passes a six up table and you have shape. So it's, okay. I thought it was probably maybe the, my, just my initial instinct, but he's kind of a quick player. And he probably was like, well, I know that I can bury this two ball if I just follow it up, you know, just make it and follow the cue ball up table. I think maybe I, I would have taken just a hair more time to figure out where it's going. I think getting close to the spot is, is, um, is bad position um, and right. the difference between the middle of the table and the spot then he's perfect because the four is open the six is open he probably doesn't have to bury that long four and have to come with a long six you know you're, you're dipping into the well a, a lot at that point so I think the critical shot is being clear on making the two one which I think he was clear about because uh, he buried it but really where's his cue ball going and just taking that ex- extra little time which is really where I think maybe separates him Himself, uh, because Shane has a little bit of a taste of what it takes to make that extra, you know, get that extra inning to win a big event, you know, and why maybe we see Shane winning a World Nine Balls, uh, you know, maybe Sky hasn't, you know, quite got there yet, but you know, stuff like this helps, right? Well, you realize, what, like, you realize, like, that
3: happens. One thing maybe, that happens,
2: maybe, maybe I take season. a, maybe take that. Like, he's not, he's not, you know, he's naturally quick player, but like. You know, just take that little extra moment and say, "Hey, where?" Be real clear about where Whitey's going because she's the most important one. I know, making everybody says make the ball, but like, man, cue ball is so important; it changes everything. And he he cuts balls in from everywhere. So,
3: well, I think that's the thing. So. We've all had the experience where sometimes people try to do too much. Like, for example, let's take a six ball that he missed. People might even say he tried to do too much on the six ball. Maybe he should have just kind of made sure he made it and then, and then stay in control. But the, the same thing can happen when you don't do enough. Meaning, so when people try to do too much, sometimes they're they're nervous about their future ability. They're like, I don't know if I'm going to be able on my next shot to make the eight from there, make the nine from there. So I want to not only make this ball, but go 14 rails and get perfect. So that way it's all over with. Well, that's a lack of confidence in your future ability. But the same thing, you can panic the other way and say, you can be so nervous at the moment that you're like, oh my God, this two looks really tough. It's hill hill. I don't even know. I'll tell you what, instead of asking I myself to, to play shape, just
2: want to make it and
3: go. It's, yeah. I'm just gonna cinch the ball, fling my cue yeah. ball up table, and then I just hopefully I'll land good and I'll figure it out. Because sure. I'm a good player, yeah. I'll figure it out. So I actually feel like it was a lack of confidence in that moment to where he's like, I'm just gonna cinch the ball and I'm sure I'll be okay and I'll figure yeah. it. it's got I've gotta land good because I'm not strong enough right now to figure out how to make sure I land good. And so I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying that's how I, I feel when I just yeah. cinch the ball and fling the cue ball up the table. And okay.
2: it, it, it could be maybe not even it just, it could also be, it could be very nuanced. It could just be like, you're caught up in the emotional storm. Like, Oh, I'm going to run the set out. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's
4: just made run and, six racks
2: and, and you start thinking about the externality. It's hard to do. You got it, It's hard to just be mind. And I think and really just quiet that down and say, I'm not going to get lost in this like, oh, I'm going to because I've had that feeling where you get amped just a hair. You know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, I'll just shoot it from anywhere and I'm out. You know what I mean? To Demetrius's point, it's like the details matter, you know, where where the balls, you know, if he's not over the nine, you know, like in the kitchen area above the the, the, the footstring, he's dead out. You know, the game, the game's over.
4: Yeah, put yourself in his position, one game yeah. at a time, getting closer and closer and closer to the hell. It's, it's such, a lot, of it's such a lot of that's pressure. It's such
3: a little it little lot of pressure. It makes me—I couldn't even fathom. I mean, it makes me sick to even on. think about. Um, yeah. be, before I bow out, I just wanted to mention the one thing that I think is an interesting idea, and I'm—I haven't done it yet. I'm going to start tomorrow with uh with my buddy Josh. He's coming over. To, uh, actually, by the way, uh, we're going to drop a little one-on-one podcast. Uh, so for people that listen to this uh, podcast that don't know, Josh and I also uh, do like a one-on-one, a little bit long form kind of discussion, not for everybody, but for for people that are interested in checking it out, uh, that gets uploaded on uh, the q it up platform and Facebook and uh, and uh, Podbean as well. But uh, anyway, he's coming over. What we're going to do is we're going to start playing some one-pocket situations where One of us is going to start up 7-0 on ball count with a lot of the balls up table. And then vice versa. We're going to take turns playing from down 7-0. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to take turns playing from 4-4 with all the other balls wedged kind of up at the corner. Because basically what we try to talk about is what are the most miserable spots to be in one pocket? And then why don't we just – play those out a handful of times and play like a race to three or whoever can win the first game from down seven zero, because that way we figure if we practice it out from there, it's not like we don't have a game plan of what to do when we get there, but it's pretty miserable. And if we could just kind of mentally prepare, like, Hey, I'm going to be down seven zero all day. So might as well have fun with it. And, you know, maybe, maybe that'll help me in those spots. Reason I bring it up is it might be fun to play some nine ball sets that way where you play races to five and you start down four zero and take turns Seeing who can steal the first set. I don't know. It's just a. It was just a fun idea that we're going to mix oh, yeah. up with. And Dimitri sure. is.
0: Dimitri isn't this the reason that you don't like? I mean, obviously there's many reasons, but isn't this one of the biggest reasons you hate bar table tournaments? Is because you have to like handicap it. So basically, what you're doing is you're playing a 450 Fargo, but you're but you're we're down five zero to start out to six.
3: We're training. It's not. If we're not competing. <laughs> no, we're training. Cool. That's yeah. a
2: Cool idea. Yeah, that's awesome.
4: Do you guys feel that that when you're when you're in a tournament and you're down? And you start out down, you maybe it's a race to seven and it's it's like six to one or something, or six to zero, that something internally inside you happens. And yeah, it's I almost as if you say to yourself, Well, I wanted to be in this situation. Right oh, if, I, no, if I get down on one zero in a race, it's 12, like I you find up. a different person inside <laughs> you. <laughs> no, no, it's you not it's you like he lost a leg running. and unscrewed his cues before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Sometimes I like that. Sometimes I like yeah. to like sit there and get punched in the face, you know. And like, yeah, I it's almost like I'm not sometimes I can be a slow starter and I'll, I'll not be super sharp, jump straight out of the jump, and I might make a, a you know. Uh, I'll feel myself into it, but all of a sudden the guy puts a four on me or something. I'm like, oh crap! Now I gotta lock in. Got then you lock attention. in. Yeah, exactly. And then you get to that place where you're. So the trick is, how do you get to that place right away? You know, so you're not.
3: It's you know what what you just so, you said know, is so smart. A great player talked about that because we—it's—it's it's a known thing, right? When people go into give-up stroke, basically, you know, there's no expectation. They already kind of surrender. The word is surrender. They've let go of all expectation. They've let go of all um, of all attachment to the outcome. They've already experienced the lows of like falling behind, making blunders, making screw-ups, choking. And at some point, they're not trying to really win anymore because they've already. Not only are they behind on the score, but they're playing badly enough to be helplessly behind on the score. And then at some point. They just kind of all the pressure falls off and all the expectations gone. And they're just like, well, nothing to do but hit balls and swing my cue. And I think we've all seen some of our best performances come from, from behind. I know I have. Okay. Uh, so then the question is, how do you do that off the leg? And C.J. Wiley actually talks about this. And he, he this there's a deep conversation that we could have. But basically, he just says before he ever played a big tournament match when he was playing his best, he would spend 10 minutes visualizing having just gotten roasted that set and just play, you know, like having – you know, just been weak and nervous and tight and hanging up balls and underperforming and having that guy run over him. And he would visualize that. And people all thought that was negative thinking. But what he was trying to do is just put himself in a spot where he had
2: to get hot. And so he
3: could try to come up. So that when he started, when he laid the balls, he was already in give up stroke. And I've heard this, not just from CJ, I've heard this from a number of players, fairly counterintuitive. There's a difference between visualizing yourself choking and missing balls versus visualizing yourself being in a spot where you're kind of surrendering. I like
4: that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Well, why don't we? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose a question to you guys. One word answer. Ready? Jason Shaw is now leading uh, Team Europe for the Moscone Cup at the end of the year. Yes or no? Will he still be top three by the end of the year? Right.
2: Top yep. three.
3: Yeah.
4: Rob. Yes. Chris. Yep.
0: Demi.
3: No. Are, are you talking money? Just talking money yeah, leaderboard. For
0: money, money. Leaderboard. I'm gonna go
3: no.
0: I'm gonna go with no too. I, I I don't think he I don't think he can maintain it. I think uh, there's just too many players. And I don't think he plays enough of the uh all the smaller events. Okay. So Skyward was now number one for the U.S. Is he going to finish top two in the U.S. by the end of the year? Right.
2: Is Sky going to finish top two in cash and points?
0: In the in the points. Yep. The, sure. The...
2: Yeah.
1: Rob. Yes. Chris? I'm just trying to think of who would be challenging him outside of you – know, It's, it's a situation. different
2: conversation
1: than the European. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I will have to go yes because I, I can't think of anyone, yeah.
4: Yes.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's kind of it. Like who's going to challenge it? Although, I mean, there's – you know, you could uh, – there's Billy Thorpe could. Oscar Dominguez, if he plays a full schedule. Oscar, yeah. Could. yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: Sorry, yeah. Oscar, Yeah.
0: Um, you know, even even a player like Jeremy Sosi, I mean, if Jeremy Sosi uh, plays a full schedule, when he when he plays regularly, man, I, he seems to do, he seems to finish deep every tournament he plays in. So, yeah, no, so let me.
3: Ever, do I'm you guys
4: think I, I got a question? There's,
3: yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, Rob. Let me let me jump in with this. I'm just gonna throw out a stat because I was I forgot to mention that Jeremy Soucy, monster monster player. And I'll tell you something. He got to the finals, uh, the final two undefeated. Uh, right. He made the hot seat. Yeah. He was playing for the hot seat. And here's the people don't know is he won like six matches. Was it six six matches with a combined score? I think he gave up like eight games. Like it was nine zero, nine one, nine zero, nine one, nine two, nine one, nine zero. It was like unbelievable, and I'm talking against pretty good players. You know, like I, I might be wrong. I'm not looking at the brackets, but guys like Danny Hewitt and Eric Orlovson, and like some good players. And he was just nine-one, nine-one, nine-one the whole way through the winter side. And uh, I mean, I'll tell you what, man. I actually, uh, I was. It it's too bad the way it kind of played out uh, because he was breaking well, playing great, and it was just anyway. I just wanted to mention Yeah, shout out to Jeremy.
0: Yeah, he yeah, uh so Jeremy won his Jeremy won his first match nine zero and then he beat Pat Fleming nine four. Uh Tony Antone nine one. Billy Thorpe nine two. Danny Hewitt nine one. Kevin West nine zero.
3: <laughs> so how many games did he give up? Danny Hewitt, Billy Thorpe, Kevin 2-1-4. West. I mean Kevin had a good tournament too.
0: Yeah, good yeah, shout out to Kevin West. I
3: think what did he give up? Like nine games or something? Like he, he gave up like good. nine games on his way to the hot seat match.
0: Playing. One, three. Uh, one, three, three, four, eight. Yeah, eight, eight games. <laughs> eight games.
3: So he won, and he won six matches, which is like fifty-four to eight. Like, just I mean, it's an amazing performance. So anyway, yeah. sorry, Rob. What were you gonna say? Well, I didn't I need mean to.
4: Just, I, I'm curious about uh, how you guys feel about this. But I was thinking about it today. We all know that Tony Choan is one of the greatest one pocket players out there, and shot maker. Do Do you think that down the road here in the next few years, we're we're gonna see him? Uh, in other uh, uh, types of tournaments than one pocket, excelling and and winning, like I, ten be ball honest, or nine ball or that kind of stuff. Tony,
0: you want to? We were talking a lot about mental fortitude earlier with Sky and how how tough he is mentally. You want to talk about mental fortitude? Like Tony Chowen has had a rough go of it the last six or seven months. I mean, every one of the big matchups that he's played. I, I love Tony. He's lost. I mean, he lost to Alex uh, twice. Uh, he lost to chip a couple times. He had a beating chip, but he lost to chip twice. Uh, he lost to Shane now. I mean he lost to did he lose to Lusa Fedor? And I he think lost... he's
3: rematching Shane in a month or something, isn't he?
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's had some big one pocket matchups in the last uh basically six, seven, eight months, and he's he's lost most of them. And he's still out there grinding, he's still out there battling. So I mean that 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 can be tough. <laughs> that can be pretty tough when you don't have that uh, you know those other events to go on. I, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think. Well, I just don't think that Tony has whatever it takes to want to play rotation pool at a I high level. I don't think
4: so.
0: I mean, if he has, I mean, he's not a young guy. I mean, actually, Tony's right. He's he's sneaky old. I think he's I think he's around forty or I think he's around forty years old. It's today.
1: Now forty-one today. Oh sure well, happy something.
0: birthday to Tony Chouin. Yeah, he's happy forty-one birthday. years old. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think I, Tony's I one of those. I don't see it.
2: One of those. Tony's one of those. um There's a handful of American guys that are heavy talent, uh, heavy on the talent and ability and low on the uh, discipline, dedication uh, scale when it comes to things that we're talking about, like chasing these rotation tournaments around the world. Like Tony has very little interest in that because obviously it's, it's a big financial situation to get, you know, tangled into that. And, he's he's big on the money side you know so he he gets it in in cash games or big one pocket events where he dominates or has the best of it you know or he has people that definitely believe in his ability to go go up there and get it so it's um it's a different kind of approach for him like, you know guys like don I would look at as another person who's like super high talent scale and ability quotient but very low on the on the discipline and dedication side and you know the other guys, I mean Bergman's up out there, obviously. Who's got obviously uh, a lot of talent and ability, but hasn't uh, committed to traveling. Maybe this year he will. If he does, that changes the kind of spectrum of stuff. But a lot of the guys that are in that spot, you know, it's hard. It's hard financially to to cover all the costs of traveling all around the world and putting up three 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 thousand every event. You know, to sure. go on for. You know, five—that's kind of dumb, really. When you think well, about just, it, you got—you got to be like, a little deft, like about, you know.
1: You know I, I put all of my money into doing it and traveling <laughs> to the big events, but yeah, um, if you've got any ambition of doing stuff, then yeah, that's you got to eat that. Yeah, yeah, you got to eat that. One hundred percent, you got to no do option. it. There's so no the problem. guys
2: that have committed to do it kind of are are looking beyond the numbers, right? They're looking at what it means for them and this window of time they have to be. At their best, and they got something to prove to themselves, and that to them is more than money, you know. So they find ways to get sponsors and get, you know, from point A to point B, and all credit to them, you know. That, you know, they're do you
4: think, Raymond, do you think that's kind of where you're at there, you know, with Say your again? game and stuff? You're, you know, working your way towards that particular mark.
2: Yeah, I tabled uh, competing around the country for like six years because I had to get the financial side in order. And I had I picked up, you know, the family responsibility along the way and had a little girl. And so, um, you know, I had to stop playing for five or six years. And that was also very humbling and painful to deal with personally, to watch opportunities go to people that I felt like I had more experience then and more ability and skill then. But I wasn't out competing. So, you know, they say the best ability is availability and people have made themselves available to walk into now we're getting into like a really great time for pool as far as what it's been contextually over the last 20 years. It's the best it's been. And, you know, it, it's something that sucks. So there was a little bit of that that I had to deal with mentally as I kind of jumped back in last year, but I'm at a point now where the money doesn't matter to me either because I've taken care of it on my side. You know what I mean? I've kind of taken that responsibility. So I'm willing to absorb those costs and go and compete because it means something to me. Right. And, you know, that's, I think, when people get to that place and they just put themselves right. in positions to kind of go through those lumps and go through the volume of stuff you need to go through in order to get to where you can just play your best against whomever, then that's how you give yourself something that's meaningful. Uh, but it has to start with you wanting to kind of suck that up and, and eat that. So
4: So that means the next couple of years now we can look for your name to be – uh yeah.
2: I mean, I've had, I, I had some wins this past year. I beat Roland Garcia in a big predator event. Um, I've cashed in, I cashed in a couple of those. Um, you know, I beat uh, one of the Cole brothers at the international open. Had a kind of uh, match, a controversial match against one of the Europeans uh, who I shared my thoughts with him after the uh, the tournament, but it was instructive for me. Nonetheless, because of whatever moves and stuff were happening um that cost me the match. Um, but you know, stuff like that, I'm ruffling feathers. So but I'm just I gotta train and get back to work just like everybody else, regardless of whether I win or lose. So I think the process and being dedicated to that, when you get to that point where you love training and love the work, then that kind of predetermines whether you're not you're gonna be successful.
4: Sure. Well, I hope sure. you do well. Me too. <laughs> I mean, appreciate it. Thank to you. Watching you. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I'm just saying, if you make the Moscone Cup team, you know, you get into one of those three spots. Just don't forget about us little guys. You know, so yeah. try to come on and talk to us every now and then.
2: I'll, I'll see. I'll see what I can do.
4: Can right. I give a shout out here, uh, Nate? To go ahead. I want to give a shout out because uh, I do uh, entertain three cushion billiards uh, in, in my life now a little bit more than pocket pool. And and I want to shout out to Mazin Shuni, who's uh, doing everything he can in this atmosphere to get all players of all levels involved in Three Cushion. And he has a tournament every year. Now it's been out in Tucson for the last five, where he has a B tournament, where you can only be of a certain level to play. Everybody can play if you're under a certain level. So it's a little bit like Fargo Capped. And then he has a handicap tournament where everybody can play. You just have a certain number that you go to. Sweet where so all the top players play with all the B players. And then he has an open tournament and then he has a Scotch doubles tournament. And all four of these are run in one week every year. And so I'm going to shout Sweet. out to Mazin for doing this because it's, it's just really great for the sport. Uh And the participate the participation out there in this tournament is huge. And, and I want to congratulate uh, the no handicap tournament winner, uh, Ricky caraco uh is a tremendous player and he beat uh luisa vega uh, oh wow at, in the finals a hill nice. match in the in the no handicap open event uh,
2: race to 40 he was
4: 30 in, in that 30 so, but yeah uh yeah. they shortened it up a little bit i think they had a time a little time issue something else yeah for
2: that. well good for him yeah that's uh the that vegas is a champ.
4: Panama. yeah I and mean, I've watched uh, I've been at a couple of tournaments where a has played I haven't yeah. played him myself but so i watched him up close and play and and you're you're looking at uh, Jason Shaw on steroids in three cushion billiards with this fella so anybody mm-hmm. can who can he he ran 40 in the tournament a couple of years ago uh so the, Ricky and I watched him play out in Tucson uh two years ago when I was out there and it's just going from just watching somebody, a normal player play, and then watching these two guys.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it,
4: it's kind of like the sky and, and, and Jason match in the finals of right. You know, out there in turning stone. It was just, it's, it's just phenomenal. So my shout out to, to Louise and uh, Ricky and then Maz and shooting. Sure. Amazing. Billy. for billions. organizing and running these events.
0: All right. Well uh, let's, let's make a pivot from there and let's go to our fun uh, controversy of the day. Um, I want to vent because I I don't know I just haven't vented for a while and I just feel like I want to vent. Um, I was particularly triggered, we'll say, by a recent post I saw from uh, Earl Strickland. We talked about this a little bit trigger in warning. our yeah yeah trigger warning. Uh We talked about this a little bit um before the show and we decided let's stop talking about it so we can talk about it on the show. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna for-
3: jump I'm gonna jump on on this one Nate. Okay. So yeah, go ahead. I'll let you, I'll let you do it. I'll, uh, I'll catch you guys later. Thank you.
4: Nice to watch great you. To Hello, G- G- Good luck at, uh, at the Derby.
0: Yep. All right. So, uh, I don't, I guess, I guess here's the post. Um, uh, I mean, you can read it. Uh, so there is a $10 million tournament. That would be great. So if anyone wants me to go on the Joe Rogan podcast for years, I don't even know. All right. So, uh, I will go on if you support me and pool help me get 1 million likes and followers on my fan page on Facebook, and I will go on to promote pool and maybe spill my beans. Now let's see what happens. So basically what he's saying in a nutshell is if I get to a million likes uh, or followers or whatever it is, um, I will go on and promote pool. I mean, this is, he
4: would probably it, do it for 10,000.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on my box here. Um <laughs> this is i mean this is the same mentality why pool died in the 90s into the early 2000s right it it is nothing more than you do this for me and i'll do something in return i mean the, the camel tour we all know i mean earl earl strickland was very pivotal in that the last big outside spot sponsor that pool ever had earl strickland was pivotal in that falling apart now that was that was mostly that was mostly um you know actual match related but I mean, the point is, is like those, those events were pretty big. They had, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 events a year. They were making decent money. Not great. You're not retiring at age 25, but you know, there was some decent money in those. And that was the last time that there was a real corporate sponsor that was involved with pool. You were one of the biggest reasons that that was gone. You're not the only reason, but you were a huge reason involved in the, the that, and now you're looking at this, you know, later on, later on in your career. And you're like, if you continue to give me what I want out of this industry, then I'll, then I'll think about trying to actually promote it and help the game out so that the next generation doesn't have to struggle the way that I did, mostly because of my sabotaging on the industry to begin with this. And, and then you have these people that just sit back and worship him. Like, Oh my God, Earl Strickland, you are the greatest thing that's ever happened. And i I'm sick of it. I mean, at the end of the day, like this this, this past generation that just sits out there and just tries to suck dry the entire industry for every penny that they can get because they think that they're owed something from 30 years of not being paid what they thought that they deserve. And now this could actually – maybe this will do nothing. Maybe you're going to go on there. You're going to talk about all the dark sides of it. Maybe you're going to go on there, and it's going to do not a darn thing. You're going to talk about all the bad parts of pool, like the gambling, the dirty, the dirty uh, you know, back – alley deals, whatever. All I know is that you're I don't even care about that. Maybe it will do it not a a single thing. Maybe it it will even hurt the game. I don't care about what the ramifications are for you going on there. I care only about what you're talking about, which is I'm not gonna do anything potentially good for the game until you guys do something for me and I think it's worth it. It's a pre pro quo and it's it's just ridiculous. I mean at the end of the day if if you don't want to be involved with the game, then get out of the game. If you want to be involved with the game, care about its future.
1: There's he's my got, so
0: got,
1: Yeah, I mean, has anybody made more prize money and pool than L?
0: Probably not.
1: So maybe, he's a, had, maybe. He's had plenty. And I know he had a big Q tech deal for like a decade or more or something where they were paying him a ton of money. And, you know, he was he's been well looked after over the years and, and he's pissed every penny of it away as far as I can tell. Nobody's gonna want him on Joe Rogan to have a free flowing conversation. What's he gonna talk about? He's, has he got anything. Joe wants him yeah, on. Joe wants him on. Probably for that reason. Joe
2: Joe Joe said Joe said <laughs> that he wants to have him on. He's a yeah, guy he he, him. Him on. he said
0: he's all, been trying he's to get all, all
1: about the entertainment. There's yeah, no way I, that'll happen. There's, yeah. just, there's just absolutely no there's no way. That'll be the shortest Joe Rogan podcast in history. It'll be incoherent for percent of it.
2: 30, 30, maybe, maybe, maybe Joe will then go work out or something. I don't know. Maybe he'll <laughs> it'll I, be cool yeah, to have her own.
0: Honestly, I don't know. Ray, you said you wanted you wanted to defend a little bit, so go
2: on. I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little oh, bit for too. Earl. Uh, I think uh, nobody on uh, breathing on the planet can carry Earl's jockstrap strap when it comes to the contribution he's done for the sport. <laughs> and uh, Barry Hearn and Matchroom and this whole thing is predicated on a love for nine ball. That man breathing there is nine ball. He's probably the most naturally gifted nine ball player to ever blink and have a heartbeat and spawned a generation of players that played pool at what would be maybe the first real big golden age of, of pool over the early nineties on the ESPN and made it a national thing. Characters like him and his generation were the reason why we're talking about pool today. And, 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 I think Earl had probably by no help of of himself and his mental health and all the stuff that he carries has made himself a target for a long time. People heckle him and like to talk trash to him and all this other stuff. And Joe Rogan himself, his connection to Earl is this famous heckle fest that he had making fun of Earl saying, you know, I've done full Q with a mute. how strong is that? This whole like, you know, uh, mock persona thing that he did and so you ain't got that, no that probably yeah that probably triggered <laughs> Earl right because people have sure, been heckling him for 20-30 years and he doesn't give a crap what how big the platform is you know he doesn't want to go on there and get made fun of because you know he's, he's gonna get on there and it's gonna be a song and dance and unfortunately for Earl that's part of the allure and that over 30 years of time has to have a grading effect on someone's persona and someone's personal value, how they view themselves. They know that they're a show as opposed to a genius, (laughs) you know, and he's a troubled (laughs) genius. He really is. He's, he's done and created on a nine ball table what no one else has ever done or created on a nine ball table. And so I understand his grievance where he's like, well, you know, I've given and bled and, He's done something very few people have done, which is from the jump, known that he wants to commit his whole being to one thing, unfiltered, undistracted. He's committed himself entirely to one thing, and that one thing has not really given him a sustainable livelihood, you know. Part of that also is you know, athletes in general, not just in pool, but athletes top to bottom in major sporting organizations tend to not be the best at managing their assets and their money when they have a lot of it, you know? And when you grow up in a barn somewhere in North Carolina and you travel around and you beat a guy, you got a little money and it gets you to the next spot and you play a tournament, you got a little money and that gets you to the next spot and you kind of live fly by the seat of your pants. That's how this guy's existed, you know? And so when he makes a post that triggers Nate, you know nate comes from a different time than earl comes from (laughs) right he comes from a a a place that that has a little bit of nuance on social media and the impact that it could have and the overall big picture stuff so you're viewing it from there you know earl's probably trying to figure out where's the next exhibition he's going to be able to go to to rub two quarters together for the next month you know so you know Social nuance and great, he doesn't understand that if he goes on the literally biggest podcast in the world, he might get a million followers the next day yeah. off of like the first eight minutes of talking on yeah. Joe Rogan, or you know because <laughs> or whatever <laughs> it is, you know, he's a character, but he is unfortunately, he's been treated more as a character because he's such a character. Yeah. And so he's probably over the bullshit and over all yeah. the stuff and over all the crap and people up his ass and asking him to be this and ask you know the whole going to England to play in the Ma- the Moscone Cup thing and then being not being able to play like that's that's all very taxing on soul psyche. He's already has a modicum of instability about him that people are fascinated <laughs> by because lady. that's the draw. They're like, well. Is Earl going to jack up and fire this nine ball in and spear the cue ball back six feet and get perfect and be a genius? Or is he going to smash his cue across referee's head <laughs> and get arrested and walked out and put into a cell somewhere? <laughs> so Earl is a tornado. He's a storm. You know, it's just how he is. And his lack of understanding of the technical graces of social media and his impact, just by him waking up and picking up a cue – he's just he's doing what he can best do for the sport which is show his talent show his genius and show his dedication to the game i understand in a weird way where earls coming from because oh, yeah. honestly golf and tennis and a lot of these like the nba for instance has done a lot to kind of reach back and like help some of the older Players that missed out on this financial windfall they have now, right? Like, Luca is going to sign a contract tomorrow, right, that his next contract will be more than what the NBA made in the 60s. You know, seriously, it's like a joke, well, you know? Uh, hold on. So I gotta it's like
0: – a lot of the reason why it grew in popularity was because of the co- contributions of players like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Oscar Robinson and all, the, all those players that oh, were I get know, it. Huge, I, huge stars. I get that. And they that. contributed yeah. to the actual no, marketing of it. Now –
2: I totally get that. I I don't think Earl is a country boy from North Carolina. His education was on a four and a half by nine. You know what I mean? It's a different, it's a different uh, attitude. It's a different um, uh, respect quota. So you're asking him to swallow a lot of pride to walk on a Rogan, even though it's probably the best thing that could happen for him in this stage of his career, especially if he had a product behind him. If I was now, if I was smart, if I was, I'm smart. If I was Earl's manager, I would have a product on the back end that he could post a link to, even if it's an old video or something, so he can walk onto the Joe Rogan uh, show and say, you know, this is where you can find me. This is my website. You can buy some merch. You can buy, you know, this little lesson on how to play pool or whatever and then go because now you got free advertising to something that will make you a little coin. And you're going to just going to be yourself and and rogan will be very uh gracious because he's a gracious host he knows how to manage all that stuff and will be complimentary of earl the videos gonna be a little embarrassing for him whatever and he'll talk <laughs> about it but it'll be a way to bridge the gap and be like who's this crazy persona that joe rogan is imitating who's this great comedian and all this other stuff but why is he so interested in earl and then they can go in and talk about him and honor him and i th- I don't think he sees it that way. I think he sees like, well, they're going to make fun of me and they're going to talk shit about me again, and just like they do always. And I never have, you know. He's he's traumatized for years of being run through the pony and silker show, but he's kind of the author of that for himself too. So all I'm saying is that Earl has done an amazing amount of stuff for nine ball pool. I, you know, I'm in, I've been inspired by his game. All a lot of the top players who teach in Europe now and have kind of like put forward his, his attacking style, which is like the the meta basically that's you know been evolved for nine ball over the last 20 30 years it's his style that people started copying it's not Mike Siegel it's not Efren it's not anybody it's not buddy hall you know they 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 want to break and jump and shoot like Earl you know that's how at least I've seen it over the last 20 years that's how guys have, have kind of put themselves together. So he's already done more than anybody ever has and probably ever will do for nine ball and now it's just a matter of you know reining him in a little bit you know and kind of making him see the bigger picture and putting him in a spot where this opportunity which is still available to him is one that actually benefits him so the well, social- part of
0: that it, yeah. part of that the is you have to have you have to have enough you have to have enough inward ability to look at yourself and kind of understand what's going yeah. on and he 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 is he he's is like he is in love with playing the victim card right I mean, everything that happens to him is somebody else's fault. And he's, he's unwilling to take responsibility for anything that he does. There's everything
2: a lot of is... pro pool players that are like that Nate.
0: That, that, They're
2: oh, just absolutely. better about hiding it.
0: They're, sure. sure. They're just that better is...
2: about hiding it and whining about it so that they get what they want. There's a lot sure. of people that are self that are really entitled. Few of them have five world nine ball titles and five U.S. Open titles and everything else and, and 10 million livers in their pouch you know from having shot out the way earl does so earl <laughs> and, has a different and, a different and, uh and platform if this was to stand golf, on
0: and if this was golf and if this was tennis and if this was the nba and he had those type of credentials we wouldn't be having this conversation because he would be a right. multi-millionaire assuming oh, he didn't bust himself but but that's not where we're at <laughs> It's not.
2: We're, we're, be theater. You know, and just, it would just be theater.
0: Just like the NBA was not like this in the 60s and 70s, right? At the end of the day, like someone's got to do the legwork. Someone has to do the legwork. And there's a yeah, lot of people I, I mean, that's right being now done. that are contributing.
2: That's being done, and unfortunately for Earl, that legwork will likely pass him by. And the, it doesn't the, mean that the, he cannot the contribute the fruits, to it. The fruits... Or actively try to I, I totally understand him. that, but that takes a lot of humility. And I don't think Earl... Is at a has that level of of self awareness, let's say, to walk with that level of humility, to know that he's going to build something that he'll that, he'll, that he's going be planting seeds that he'll never see uh, uh fruit from. That's hard to do because he's already lived his whole life bone marrow dry for a ga- for a game that a lot of people would have walked away from.
4: So let me so ask all, you.
2: This all, all I'm yeah, saying I... is that the context of the conversation needs to be adjusted. So that we we kind of have some empathy for him because I think it's a hard thing that he might be the only person ever that would have done it the way he did it and I gotten to this point to have this. You can up. have
0: you can have empathy for somebody while also not giving them a pass for the decisions I, I, that they're making. I could
2: agree with you that it's a dumb thing to 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 go about it the way he's <laughs> doing it. I can agree with you on paper because it is, but you know, just understanding you, the other side of it, I think is important when we... Well,
0: I think at the end of it. the day, there is no, there is no and There is no, this isn't binary, right? Like you, like you mm-hmm. said, there's a lot of nuance to this. And it ultimately comes down to be, like, I, I still have a lot of sympathy for the dude. I have a lot of empathy. I, I think he's a living legend. I think he's one of the best to ever touch a pool cue. And all of that taken into account, I can, I can still look at all the things that he's done to sabotage this industry. And the way that I look at it is he still is working towards... Squeezing dry every single penny that he can get out of this industry on his way out.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Why? Why wouldn't he though?
4: Yeah,
0: Earl because to me could, is, at this point in his career, he could be he could be the Earl Strickland right now. You're supposed to maybe. try.
2: You're supposed to try and make as much as you can along the way.
0: Sure, but like, at some point in time, it becomes about legacy, right? And at the end of the day, like Jerry West is one of the greatest players to ever play in the NBA ever, not because of what he did on the court, but because he's done what he's done ever since then. Like he's he's done more post his career than he's ever done in his career. And that's, that's part of what he's going to be known for. That's why he was the emblem. That's why he was the logo. I mean, he's one of the greatest to ever do it as a player, as a manager, as a coach, as everything yeah, taken into he's, account.
2: He's amazing. It,
0: yeah. Just because yeah. your career is over or near over, doesn't mean that your legacy should stop and you should start cashing in on everything that you single, everything that you do. Earl Strickland could now transition into a, a legend of the game where he's on the forefront, moving the game forward, doing everything Jerry's-
2: Jerry's still Everything getting a check prove- Jerry's still getting a check from the NBA by the way and it's he's doing just <laughs> sure. fine
0: financially but he's, he's also getting a check because of the work that he did to promote that game right oh when sure. Jerry sure. West, yeah. when Jerry West started his career he was making peanuts and now he's making millions and millions of dollars a year partially hugely because of the contributions that he's done along the way both during his career and past his career
2: yeah but there's a magnitude well there, there, there's a magnitude of financial difference between the
0: NBA and Course. Whatever Well, what I'm saying is, at the so time, a there, wasn't a, a big, there, there was a, a huge big. difference, but there wasn't a there was there was a difference, but there wasn't a huge difference in the 60s. I, I think, I think Cherry West played in the 60s, if I'm not mistaken, a little before mm-hmm. my time, but they weren't making millions of dollars, they were making uh, before Mike low hundreds of thousands.
2: Rob, what, 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 you know, what Earl here, what I say?
4: gotta say something about Earl. He's a, to me, he he is absolutely the epitome of a transformational. Player That is a player who, when you put a stick in his hand, he transforms into an animal, <laughs> period. There's no question about it. I've talked with Earl at, at, at length, just him and I, a private conversation. And I noticed one thing. You are not the same human being that's on that pool table, Earl. What's the difference? And... If if you know some some amateur, uh, there's another amateur pool player in this in the United States that I could put on that same level, maybe not talent wise, uh, but the transformational player where they're a normal human being. You put a pool cue in their hand and they change, they change into somebody that is now willing and able to go beyond themselves and, and become involved in that game to the maximum amount. And that's Jesse Bowman. If you've ever heard of him, player from Iowa, an amateur player. I saw the same thing that Earl has in this player, Jesse Bowman, when I played him one time. And when I was done, I went, wow, you remind me of Earl, Jesse, you know? And and because he was just a different human being when he's on the table. And a player that's willing to do anything on the table to win. Go to any extreme, any level, and Boy, I, I give him a lot of credit for that, and yeah, he 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 takes some heat. I've seen him do things on a pool table that yeah. I, I swear I would say are should be illegal.
2: Yeah. No, uh, I know, mean, and- Earl Earl's Gosh. obviously he's like a generational talent, right? He's one of those guys that changes the um, what's expected on you know from the top players. You know, nobody jumped the ball before Earl. Right, you know, and then he's playing Miserac in a big finals of a big tournament, gets held by, and he jumps about, Whoa, what's going on here? Like, now, like, you know, like, who does that, right?
0: Well, bringing this back to my Jerry West analogy, because I I think it's important. Jerry West made, uh, the average NBA player in the 60s made $15,000. That was less than a pool player in the 60s, probably.
2: Yeah, and the NBA was on the verge of dying if it wasn't for Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and then Michael Jordan turn the NBA into international because of marketing. Well, because because we don't have tens of millions of people watching the finals of the U.S. Open. And it's not being broadcast on national television. And they're not being – they're not sharing stories about these people that make it compelling. We know the stories because we're involved. We're in in the blood of it, you know. But, you know, the average – have the millions of dollars of media marketing that's necessary to make to, to make things like that. I want to be like Mike commercials, you sure. know, Absolutely. like, like, forget it. You know what I mean? We don't have that yet. So until that starts happening, we're not going to see a scale of financial growth that allows somebody like Jerry West to continue to like pour in and pour in and pour in, you know what I mean? And be attached to it. Cause he's taken care of Earl's trying to figure out where he's going, where does Earl live? You know, <laughs> have you I'm asked not, yourself I'm that not, question? I'm you not, know, I, we not. don't know. Right. I mean, sure. you're having you're having stress issues with personal self home. Like, imagine this guy, you know, he's bouncing around around the country, you know, from pool room to pool room. So it's unfortunate we have a generation of people that are going to fade away from us soon that don't have any of that being provided to them by the sport. Sure. That's always the peril that we face right like the advice that I got was go get a job go get a career in order take care of those things pool's always going to be here and then you can come back and you can play the game and enjoy it whereas if I would have gone from 22 to now and chase that dream you know what I mean like maybe I'm not setting myself up financially the way I, I could have but maybe you know but I, I was advised to do a certain thing and then I went into that thing and that's still painful but Earl was just like, "I'm gonna go play," you know, and that I think, no matter what we get from him, because he's an enigma and he's uh, a challenging I mean, a person legend. to like he's sometimes. An absolute legend. Yeah, like we gotta—it's hard to do that. Like I've seen players here in Florida that I grew up with that dedicated their whole lives to the game, and nobody outside of you know hardcore pool fanatics knows about people like Monster John. Monster John was. You know, backroom one-pocket legend and one of the best bankers ever, one of the best one-pocket players of all time, and the guys that are really, really in the know have a lot of respect for that dude. You know, he gave his whole life to the game until he had a health situation take him. You know, but before that situation took him, table. So you know, it's tough action. You know, it's tough action to go through that. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. And, and then. Just like it's
0: tough action for everybody in every sport That when they were putting in the work and the effort.
2: And uh, I look at stuff like tennis and the NBA and golf and stuff that used to not have a ton of financial backing, and now it does. And I think there's an avenue there that we can learn from and model as an industry um, and kind of create something that does allow us to, you know, have actual careers attached to the competitive side of the game and to the managerial side of the game and the coaching side of the game and the training side and all this other stuff. And then go back and take care of our guys like that are ill and out like Danny DiLiberto and, you know, our, our champs that have, you know, billion Cardona, you know what I mean? Mark Griffin just passed away. Like we have guys that dedicated their whole lives to the sport. Yeah. Yeah. There's all these players that, you know, Danny D is not long for, for us, you know, and Billy Cardona is getting very long on the two. Then we have guys that are still like Mark Wilson, but we had, we had a scare. with know, Buddy
0: Hall, right?
2: Buddy I mean, Hall as well. But I mean, Buddy Hall is one of the the remnants. Like, imagine why why are we not as an industry in a place to better take care of these guys? You know. So how well, if we this goes have... into
0: my argument. Uh, this, uh, but no, this I exactly
2: I agree. I I I agree that can go on. Sabotaged. <laughs> well, no, by, I by the person
0: that, by the person in talking right. <laughs>
2: Well, I don't know if Joe Rogan's going to save pool. You know, no. I don't think I, yeah. I'm not going to give him the the Christ flag for that. You know, and no. like,
0: and I don't know that he will either. And that's right. why I didn't but even put that into I, my argument when I said it earlier. I
2: do know that Joe Rogan has contacts and a platform and an interest oh, yeah. in something that's very that's close to all of us. So I think that is worth a lot. And he's already shared interest that he's going to continue to do podcasts and to use his platform. For something that he's really into he really loves pool and he's got the itch again and richard sue just made him some shafts and you know and he's got to you know to go and on the southwest and he's he he digs it you know he just got to play you know pool with christina and with fetter and you know like he he's doing his thing and that's going to be positive i think us doing our thing is positive more people coming out and doing more things uh, is going to be positive, and that's just going to continue to build and build and build until we get a threshold.
4: Just talking so, about it.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. I, I, just I talking about it end, is a big thing. I think at the end of the day that um, the industry is leaving behind people who can't get out of the way. And I think that that's, that's that's a really good thing at the end of the day. Like there's a lot of people, you know, how many how many names when you come around Moscow cup time are still, you know, Where's Mike DeShane at? Where's Justin Bergman at? And those are completely different examples. So I'm not trying to I'm not trying to clump those into one thing. What I'm saying is, there are a lot of players that are not if they're not interested in jumping on board with the train that's moving, they're gonna get left behind. And well, Earl not- Strickland, I don't I don't want to see Earl Strickland being one of those people because at the end of the day, I think that if there is nobody in the world probably at this point, maybe short of like the obvious ones like em- Emily Frazier and uh, you know all of Matram really and Karim with a uh, predator. That has more impact and more reach than Earl Strickland. If he put his head down and just said, all right, this is it. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to transition from being a player or I'm still going to be a player. And I'm going to dedicate my life to helping to grow this game. You're telling me right now that you couldn't find, he he wouldn't be able to find seven, eight, nine, ten 10 sponsors that would pay him five, five ten thousand $10,000 a year just to promote their brand while he does work to to grow the game. And you know, highlight different aspects. I mean the, the dude has a the dude has a platform that if he if he focused it and used it for for good
4: well I agree the dude would
0: have a the dude would have an amazing impact on this game. And he I would think, be an I think absolute Earl's... legend. His entire legacy would be altered from being the, the caricature that we, we know Earl to be to being one of the biggest legends of the game the game That's has ever a good known point. Before. I think well, Earl's,
2: I think Earl's approach to how to go about that might look different than yours. But I think Earl genuinely believes that when he goes and does these clinics, like he's he's in Florida now. Right. And he's here all week going to a bunch of different pool rooms and having exhibitions and doing in-person stuff with people up close. I think he believes he is doing that. And his business model, his business model is based on that. I'm going to go from town to town. Like it's always been his whole life. I'm going to go town to town put on a show i'm gonna collect a check and i'm gonna move on and go to my next town
0: but he came to appleton last year and did one of these things with johnny archer so he did one of these things Uh, he was up here for four days at uh, the mad apple in appleton so shout out to uh, the mad apple Uh, kendall's doing great stuff there, bringing a lot of top players in and he literally was fighting with people in the front row while he's playing (laughs) this exhibition match with johnny archer he's fighting with people and yelling i mean i mean that it's an exhibition match. They're playing a race at 30 and he's sitting there yelling at people, not even playing the match. Like he'll take three minutes and he'll just sit there and yell at people that are heckling him. And they weren't actually to begin with, from what I saw, they weren't heckling him. Um, He was up like 23 to seven or or no, he was down like 23 to seven or something crazy. Like that. he ended up winning the match. He ended up coming back and winning the match, but um, like 30 to 27, but like he's losing. And then he just starts attacking people basically in the crowd. And you can't tell me that what he's doing, I mean, that's
2: I'm not going to sit here and untangle <laughs> the forest of Lord knows what that's in Earl's head. All I'm saying is that, you know, <laughs> those situations come up with Earl a lot. And yeah. we know that. So it's not like this is like a a la carte, like, oh, we just ordered eggs and we got like a like, you know, some caviar or something like that's not that's not yeah. what's <laughs>
4: Doesn't Earl right, doesn't you know? think about so like you order
2: chicken tenders. He's in the moment. No. Always, yeah, he's always right now, right? And <laughs> he's so he's mad. one of those few guys that actually like his peak game is triggered by the confrontation stuff. <laughs> like he's weird. Like not everybody does that, you know.
0: And at the end of the day, just just to address the comment, I had the strongest. I would, never, I, would ne- I would never pay ten thousand dollars <laughs> because I don't think he's going to represent my brand. Of course I mean, not. Even, that's, even, why other, that's why other other people even, don't do that. <laughs> there's a reason he that he doesn't have any sponsors at this point he needs career, his
2: own again. he needs his own brand he needs his own stuff yeah he, he is his own, own. chart right he is his own brand now he needs to digitize that and then go on rogan get a little plug play play some pool, and uh maybe somebody outside will be like man that's that's a really interesting character really funny guy maybe i can you know check this check this stuff out you know it's really that's why i like when people were talking about the Fedder uh, Rogan podcast, like Mark White was going off about how it's so negative for the game and it really portrays a negative part of the game because they spent some time talking about the drugs and all this other stuff. Right. But I'm like, well, you know, before that moment, you know, Rogan name dropped like tar Richard Sue. He named dropped Southwest cues. He named dropped Matt pool. He named dropped a lot of like, Things that are part of the pool subculture that a layman would be like, what's that? Google search. Oh, matrim pool. This is cool. Oh, psh, what? Wow, Moscone Cup. That's amazing. Cute, podcast. You know I mean? How
0: neat is that? Yeah.
2: Num- <laughs> a number of things. Podcast. <laughs> he mentioned podcasters. He mentioned a few different th- like, like st- he gave little avenue branches to people to get hooks into the world, you know. And then he played off this caricature that people have because of the color of money and all sorts. Of whatever idea. And that's okay, too. And what I said was like, look, good uh, publicity and bad publicity, they're good publicity. You know what I mean? People are hearing about this thing now, and we're getting more. We're getting the ESPN 30 for 30, the 60 Minutes, the Moscone Cup. Like, a lot of stuff happening. This is great. Joe Rogan podcast, like, 2022 finished strong for pool. Good stuff. You right know? Time. And so, yeah, there was some negative stuff there. You know, stuff that is probably people, you know, I would have preferred not you know, focusing on and you know, Fed talking about people, whatever. Like, talk about the kid's journey. You know what I mean? Talk about the Russian ban and how he messed with him, and how he, you know, still made it, was able to still be successful and like. That is honestly it.
0: something I would have, I would have loved to hear more about, like the way. Yeah. That, um, but but you, I'm sure yeah. Fedor probably has family left in Russian. You can't, you just can't do that. So I'm sure he probably made a request because you know, there's a lot of stories of like uh, Russian.
2: Yeah, Russian potentially. People,
0: Russian people that left the country and then they'll talk oh, about the Oh, yeah, it's bad. And then, bad. It's and then bad. they go and attack their family no, 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 or something like that, or lock up. Yeah, it's
2: so- yeah, it's 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 a it's a valid it's a valid deal, especially because his his podcast is so big. Yeah, it's yeah. not like it's the KGB is not going to not see <laughs> it. You know? So, so like, they'll find out, yeah, pal. Trust you, me, you'll get a knock on your hotel room door. Yeah. So- uh, Olog wants to talk. But I guess
0: to I, we've kind of beat this on. I again, I wish the best yeah. for Earl, and and to be honest with you, I, I wish him all of the power to be able to get over everything that's you know all the demons at battle. At the end of the day, I would love nothing more than to see as somebody who promotes the game and tries. You know, you can you can argue whether or not we do you know optimize stuff here at the the Up Network, but what we do is we try to we try to project what we want to see in the pool world, and we try to grow, help grow the game in any way yeah. that we can. Um, you can ask basically just about anybody out there as far as like the big names. We try to help out people as much as we possibly can. We don't, we don't even charge either. Like when we go in, you yeah, know, if we go and, and cover and an event, honestly, we're not charging a lot of these smaller things, what what we do is we try to grow the game in any way that we can. I hope that Earl finds a way in, at the, at the tail end at the twilight of his career to find the mental fortitude, to get, to find a purpose while still existing in the pool community and helping it grow. I, I hope that.
2: Yeah, and and maybe he doesn't even need to do that so much, you know. Maybe us talking about him uh, helps that to that end uh, a lot more, you know. Maybe his clinics and stuff like that, you know, maybe that that'll be beneficial for him, or, or just having more platforms come up and bring Earl on, have interviews with him, have him share his thoughts. I think uh, as far as him wanting to make money, I think we we, sh- we should all be looking for a way to to make money and grow because how can we give if we don't have you know what i mean yeah. so i think demonizing his his pursuit for a little coin is is or just uh sponsors or viewership or anything like that but like we want our stuff too whether he goes about out of the most that's up to him but ultimately to draw people to an online platform that earl has is going to be online content that earl creates so um, unless he starts putting a camera in front of himself in the morning while he's doing his 500 sit-ups and just starts recording himself like how David Goggins does. I think that would be fantastic for Earl. Earl, if Earl just sat there and recorded himself, like doing his 500 sit-ups and just berating people about how, you know, this guy back then needed the seven ball and it's not even close or like, you know, whatever, like whatever his thoughts are, he should just put that in front of people online. And that would be like hilarious and would add a ton of value and he'd get a bunch of followers and that would be like he'd get that overnight if he did that on tiktok holy (laughs) cow people would be like who the hell is this crazy old (laughs) codger?" and holy crap he can freaking play pool like god you know congratulations like i'll follow this guy today he'd have a million followers tomorrow if he started doing this stuff on tiktok but He's got to break that little technology barrier because, you know, he's from a different world. He really is from a different world. So it's really kind of two worlds colliding. And I think um, I think eventually he'll probably get on. You know, I I, I would hope he does it rather because yeah, somebody's going to talk some sense into him. Be like, hey, man, if you go on Rogan, you'll have a million s- subscribers tomorrow. Like just <laughs> give it just start open a page on Instagram and Twitter or whatever, you know, whatever. Pick one and just start, you know, just create a page and then go on Rogan and people will follow you like no problem. He's got a Facebook page just in the morning when you go on your runs, like you gotta be an athlete. You have to be a killer. You gotta be in shape to win, you know, big pro events, running's hard, pool's harder, whatever, you know, just go on and just do your thing, you know, be your persona. You don't even have to be like super kind, but if you share (laughs) some, share some gems along the way, a little nuggets. Oh, this is what I learned from this situation. You know, this is why you shoot this ball. Like little things like that will be far he's got more than a ton
4: of gems.
2: Oh my God. Just go out there and just say, it. When, you know, whenever I'm in this spot, I shoot the ball like this. And this is why. <laughs> and you just take it for what it is. You know what I mean? And people would love that, eat it up, share it. Like, but he's not hip to that game because, again, he's a fossil. So it's like, you know, we got to get him up to speed, give him the camera. He's got a camera. He's got a, you know, he's got, he's off the cuff all the time. So it's not hard for him to do that. So no, just
4: it's tell, press record,
2: for... bud. Just whatever you're doing, what are you doing? Oh, I'm eating these, I'm eating eggs and raw chicken livers. Why? Well, because, you know, I read it, you know, this is makes me feel good.
4: Better for this, your this, eyes.
2: <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, and then people, you know, people will, will not only copy the long queue, they'll start eating chicken livers and doing 500 oh, sit-ups yeah. and pool players will become they'll, athletes.
4: They'll put weights on one side of their head so that that perfect eye can be on the show. <laughs>
2: Pearls of wisdom. See, Ed Ladawi's on, on top of it. He goes, "Yeah, call it pearls of wisdom." Little one minute segments on reels Pearl, or shorts. Yeah, yeah, pearls it. of wisdom. Perfect. Love it. That's it. Done. Uh, I'm sending Earl my invoice uh, in the mail. <laughs> right there you Earl go. Guy.
0: Well, uh, you're uh, making an IOU back. That's right. I guess at this point we're probably pretty good. Uh, I got to go put out some fires, so that's, okay. that's should, where I'm at with you my You should not
2: life. set your house ablaze anymore. That's...
4: Find a home, yeah. Exactly. and I hope your balls are better. Jesus.
0: I have Jesus, no comment. Rob, you probably don't want to. Uh, all right, uh, I do want to give a shout-out to Mason Cook. Uh, he got third last oh, week yeah. at the uh, – Music City. At, at the Music City uh Classic. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty a good awesome. Yeah, that's Shout a good out run. to you that's, undefeated
4: that's final four, undefeated, I think, right? Or final
0: uh no, he he played Six. for the chair. He lost oh, he, he lost the, the match. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he played he played for the hill match. Good for Mason. Uh he beat he had Mickey Krause down ten zero.
2: Jesus Christ.
0: According according to what I saw on Facebook, he had him down 10-0. He only ended up Was winning that? the match eleven to nine. Yeah, the bar table bar table nine ball.
2: Bar table? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. He only he only ended up winning uh, eleven to nine, so Mickey Krause yeah. ended up winning nine straight on him. But uh, after losing nine straight, to be able to have the the goof yeah. to, to 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 get that last win, that's tough.
2: Well, so, I've uh, had I've had some bar table matches down here in Florida where I've I've put a six on somebody and they put a five back on me, and it's just like pff, it's nuts, a lot of heat. So good. Can for I mean, Kennedy still play? Oh yeah, he's grinding. He's grinding for sure. He'll be up in Jacksonville this weekend for a little uh, tournament.
0: Okay. so all right let's leave it there and uh thank you uh ray and rob for joining today as well as uh, chris and demetrius who had to leave a little bit earlier see you boss uh yeah and i guess yeah like like i said the next time that we shoot uh, a podcast i believe we're going to have a a women's nine ball a new world women's nine ball champion or yeah yeah the women's nine ball right so that'll be cool we'll have that to talk about next week
4: Atlantic city yeah
0: yeah all right sounds good uh i guess See everybody next week. Thanks for tuning in. See you, All right, Nate.
3: kids. Brush your, uh take care and brush your hair.